the rare Champion of Hope Awards honor individuals and foundations who are making exceptional strides when it comes to rare disease advocacy and change. On November 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern, Global Genes will honor the awardees in this year's Rare Champion of Hope celebration. This is always one of the most moving events for me of the year, and it, it's a chance to hear from really remarkable people doing extraordinary work on behalf of the rare disease community. There's no cost to join in the celebration. If you'd like to register to watch the event, go to globalgenes.org and pull down the events tab. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Heaser Life Sciences is developing therapies for immune-mediated disorders and cancer. Its lead experimental therapy is in development for the rare autoimmune condition lupus nephritis. It's a first-in-class therapy that targets master regulators of cellular function. We spoke to Noreen Hennig, Chief Medical Officer of Kizar, about lupus nephritis, the company's first-in-class candidate to target the condition, and why it may have application in a broad range of autoimmune diseases. Marine, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're going to discuss the rare autoimmune condition, lupus nephritis, Kizar, and its efforts to target master regulators of cellular function to inhibit the immune system. Let's start with lupus nephritis. For listeners who may not be familiar with the condition, what is it? Yeah, so lupus nephritis is a very interesting um, disease entity. And, and what's one of the things that's uh, very interesting about it is that it can be a bit invisible. So before we jump into lupus nephritis, I think it's important to start with a disease that's actually quite a mouthful called systemic lupus erythematosus. It's an autoimmune disease that can affect many different organs in the system. So people who suffer from lupus, which is what we call that mouthful, systemic lupus erythematosus, um, a shorthand. So for people who suffer from lupus, they can have many different manifestations of that disease. They can have bad arthritis. They can have bad um, rashes. They can suffer from neurological symptoms um, as just as number of the examples. Lupus nephritis is specifically a form of that disease where the body as an autoimmune disease attacks the kidneys. And by attacking the kidneys, a couple of things happen. One is it can actually be a bit silent for a while. And two is if it goes untreated, then the kidneys will ultimately fail. So it's a very severe complication or manifestation of lupus. Now, many people who have lupus um, have many other manifestations of the, of the lupus in addition to the lupus nephritis, but it really is the lupus nephritis that can really, really cause uh, severe consequences in their life. 
because if you don't have healthy functioning kidneys, then it can ultimately lead to a need for renal dialysis or even a renal transplant in the future. How, how does the condition manifest itself and progress? So interestingly, lupus as a, as a disease affects women disproportionately to men, and it often affects um, younger women and women of color um, for reasons that are not well understood, but actually very well described. And when it um, comes to the attention of a physician, it's often in the setting that a patient has um, found themselves to be suffering one of the other symptoms of lupus, either the arthritis or a, a skin rash. It can be missed for a number of months before the diagnosis is made. And then at that point in time, a doctor would do a urinalysis or, or look at the urine for the evidence of protein. And we're not supposed to have protein in our urine. So if there is urine in the protein, then that's a clue that the kidneys are being damaged or attacked by the immune system the same way that, that the joints are or the skin is. Um, when that happens, then doctors will often move on to do what's called a kidney biopsy and look at a little piece of, of kidney tissue under the microscope to figure out what type of damage is being done and how severe the damage is. And, and how are patients generally diagnosed? So patients are usually diagnosed by a constellation of symptoms. So they may come to their doctor and say, I have this unusual rash or my joints feel very stiff in the morning. Um, they may um, often not, you know, be taken seriously in the beginning. So a lot of patients will tell the story of going to a doctor many times before someone has that aha moment. Maybe this person is suffering from lupus. And then they do some blood tests and usually the blood tests reveal the diagnosis of lupus. So there are signs of what's called inflammation um, from the blood tests. And then there are also very specific antibodies, which are antibodies directed against the body's own self, which we call autoantibodies. And the presence of those pretty much since the diagnosis of lupus. And how is the condition treated today? So the treatment for lupus is treated in a, in a number of different ways. And um, there's no one perfect therapy for all patients. Um, and more importantly, there's really no one reliable uh, therapy for all patients. So the cornerstone of therapy are anti-inflammatory agents. Um, sometimes as simple as corticosteroids, um, and sometimes we use more advanced anti-inflammatory agents um, that are, are strong immunosuppressive therapies, and they're meant to suppress the immune system so it stops attacking the body. Um, one of the reasons Kizar is working towards a new therapy is that we recognize that many of the existing therapies for lupus um, are not uh, meaningful therapeutics for all patients who suffer from lupus or lupus nephritis, and that those medicines often have their own toll on the body when they're taken for long periods of time. And so for many patients, they may find a therapy that works for them, but then need to abandon it because the side effects of it start accumulating and have their own damage to the body. 
before we talk about your experimental therapy, perhaps you can begin by talking about proteasomes and what they are and the role they play in the activity of the immune system. Absolutely. So proteasomes are one of the coolest little bits of machinery in the cell that nobody has ever heard of. And what the proteasome does is it actually um, processes little bits of, of um, proteins and it they are very meaningful for the function of the cell. So if your cells don't have a proteasome, they cannot function well. There are two flavors of proteasomes. One is called the constitutive proteasome, and that is a is a bit of machinery that's expressed in the cells of pretty much all the cells of your body, except very importantly for your immune system cells. Your immune system cells actually express a different, a slightly different kind of first cousin of the constitutive proteasome called the immunoproteasome. And that immunoproteasome is a master regulator of immune function across many different cell types and many of the different signals that the immune system um, shares with each other to turn on and off. So we believe that by targeting the immunoproteasome, that you are specifically targeting the um, part of the cell that kind of is the master controller of the immune system. And um, as we will get to with our very specific therapy, we believe that one of the ways it does it is by by um, what's called immunomodulation rather than full-on immunosuppression of that function. So you still have a functioning immune system, but we've essentially turned the volume down on it so that the body stops attacking itself. Kieser's developing KZR616. This is a first-in-class molecule. How, how does it work? So KZR616 is a first-in-class molecule, and it's very, very elegant. What it does is it selectively inhibits two very key uh, parts of the immunoproteasome so that when it works, it only inhibits the immunoproteasome, which, as I mentioned before, is only expressed in cells of the immune system. And therefore, it stops the function of the immunoproteasome right then and there. So what we do is we give KZR616 once a week. And what we find is that by doing so, it basically modulates the immune system back towards normal rather than this kind of um, high volume turned on system that's been attacking the body in patients who have autoimmune disease. Targeting the immune system can mean dampening the function of important biological protections. How targeted is the activity of KZR616? So it's exquisitely targeted because it really is very, very specific for the immunoproteasome. And as I mentioned, the immunoproteasome only exists in the cells of the immune system and then occasionally in very damaged tissues that are experiencing a lot of inflammation. So it's very, very specific um, for this one bit of machinery. And the 616 actually goes away very fast after it's targeted this machinery. So we don't see a lot of long lasting effect. And more importantly, unlike many other immunosuppressive therapies, we don't see it 
targeting other parts of the of different cells and causing what we talk about as off-target um, effects or, or off-target damage to other organ systems. What do you know about the safety and efficacy of it to date from the studies you've done? So KZR616 is in the earliest phase of clinical trials. We call these uh, early phase trials phase one and phase two. And to date, what we've done is studied KZR616 in 100 healthy volunteers. And we've also been studying it in patients who have lupus. And now almost um, 50 patients have received it. Um, and to date, what we found is that it is relatively safe and well-tolerated. Um, certainly, if you compare it to other therapies that are used in lupus, it seems um, quite well-tolerated. And with respect to safety, one of the things that we do when we're developing drug is we just always have a an eagle eye looking out for any kind of safety signal. And the more patients who experience 616, the more you get to learn. But right now we feel very um, comfortable with the safety and tolerability profile, and that has allowed us to move forward with a number of different studies. You're also developing this as a potential treatment for dermatomyositis and polymyositis. These are two different rare inflammatory conditions, one affecting the skin, the other, the muscles. Does the drug to appear to work in the same way for these conditions? Um, yes, excellent question. So polymyositis and dermatomyositis are both forms of autoimmune myopathy. So in both of these diseases, the immune system is attacking muscles. And one of the key things that differentiates dermatomyositis from polymyositis is that Patients who suffer from dermatomyositis have both um, skin rashes that can be quite severe as well as the damage to their muscles going on. Um, so these conditions are actually very similar. And we believe that the immunoproteasome plays a key role in this disease. So we have high hopes that KZR616 will downregulate the immunoproteasome more closely to normal levels and therefore make a significant uh, therapeutic difference for patients who are suffering from these diseases. Is there any reason to expect it would work in other forms of lupus? Well, so we think that, that autoimmune diseases across the board share some very common features. Um, and those common features all seem to point to the immunoproteasome. So we believe that by targeting the immunoproteasome, we are sufficiently upstream in the, in the kind of cascade of inflammation that often is seen in inflammatory and autoimmune conditions that we truly believe that it could be a meaningful therapy for a, a long list of autoimmune diseases. What's the clinical path forward and, and what endpoints will you be looking at? So right now, KZR616 is currently be, being studied in two different clinical trials. One is a patient study of lupus nephritis. And there, what we are looking for is the response to 616. So everyone enrolled in that trial will have lupus and lupus nephritis. They will have protein in their urine, as I mentioned, 
And our goal is to see if the addition of 616 will um, resolve the protein in their urine or at least bring it down to a much lower level that would indicate that the kidneys are not being attacked as viciously as they had been before the addition of 616. That study will also be followed by what's called an open label extension study so we can watch over time what happens to those patients and then see if the benefit of 616 is durable over a long period of time. The second study that we're working on is um, for patients with dermatomyositis and polymyositis, as we mentioned. And it's also a similar idea. We'll be adding 616 and patients will, in this study, serve as a control for themselves. So for half the time, they, they get 616 and for the other half of the time, they get a placebo. And then we will follow up this study, which we call Presidio, with another long-term um, open-label extension study to see how long and durable the benefit of 616 is in these patients. You mentioned this is a potential treatment for a, a broad range of autoimmune conditions. If you think about the treatments that exist today, these are some of the largest top-selling drugs on the market. If you think of things like Umara, Remicade, uh, Infliximab, What's the potential to actually replace those drugs with this? So those drugs all target very specific pathways in the immune system. And we believe that 616 actually targets upstream of those very specific um, targets and that that will in general turns down the volume of the whole um, inflammatory pathway rather than just one specific molecule. Similarly, by doing so, we believe that it avoids a whole bunch of off-target effects and or it avoids a complete suppression of the immune system. So we believe that if it's proven to work, 616 could have very meaningful differences compared to the immunosuppressive therapies that are currently available for patients with lupus and other autoimmune diseases. Similarly, those agents don't necessarily um, work for every patient all the time. So that, you know, if nothing else, 616 could be a meaningful therapy for patients who've not found anything else that benefits them. Noreen Hennig, Chief Medical Officer of Kieser Life Sciences. Noreen, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.